And uh, latest in a series of wins for community developers, the ION Aerospace Project is uh, underway and it's really interesting. Before that, we had the Renewable Energy Partners, a training center, and then NEONS with their commercial kitchen and food entrepreneur incubator. All that happening this year. And uh, as we come on the air, Mayor Jacob Fry is joining us. This is a big project and they need financing. Will the city participate in any of the financing for the ION Aerospace Project, sir? We are so excited about this ION project. You know, I went in to talk with Wendell Maddox, who is the CEO and founder of the company, and I was trying to get a feel for what exactly they were doing there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I said, look, I, I've, I've read all, you know, the aeronautical engineering and all the flashy words, but, uh, you know, tell me what exactly you do. Do you make spaceships? <laughs> And he goes, yeah, we make spaceships. We also make satellites. And, you know, I, I was blown away because, you know, Northside has unbelievably, unbelievable creative, creative artists. Uh, we've got chefs. We've got business people. And now we're making spaceships on the Northside, which I think is so exciting. But certainly the city wants to help. Can I give you some specific dollar figure as to what uh, we would help with? No, no, I can't. Um, Certainly, you know, we could go to the state jointly and, and ask for some of that, you know, $16 billion surplus. Uh, uh, but, you know, it's something that certainly we want to help with. Everyone, we're talking with Mayor Jacob Fry on a range of topics on this Fry Friday. And uh, it seems that when we, Fry Friday, we're putting a lot into the mix this morning. And here we go with the, the rambling topics today. Yesterday, uh, you, along with Commissioner, uh, the Community Safety Commissioner, Cedric Alexander, and others outlined efforts to make sure that the communication breakdowns that occurred during the civil rest in the wake of George Floyd's death aren't repeated. In response, you've uh, launched a National Incident Management System Reset. Tell us about that, and how does that help to keep the community safe and respond quickly to situations that are out of the norm? Well, our performance was reviewed uh, coming out of some of the unrest that we had in 2020, and there were a bunch of recommendations. And so this is about recognizing where we fell short, doing better the next time, and then preparing for it with a a, a team that has done the necessary work ahead of time. And so we go through simulations. uh, We've got the necessary structure in place. One of the biggest shifts was changing the the structure of government itself to more of an executive system so that we can actually give clear directions and have those directions followed. Uh, so, uh, again, there was a bunch of recommendations, we're on our way, and, you know, I'm, I'm confident that the next time something goes down, we're going to be ready. Uh, now, that being said, anytime you can be overwhelmed, even when the perfect plans are laid out and executed, it is possible to be overwhelmed. I mean, just thinking about some of the wildfires that happen out in California, mm-hmm. even when Cal Fire is ready to go and they've got a ton of people, they can still be overwhelmed. But I'll tell you, we are doing the necessary preparation ahead of time. When I was uh, monitoring the news conference yesterday, you said you wanted to have muscle memory. Uh, what were you speaking to when you mentioned muscle memory and being nimble? What I meant is you don't want to be trying something for the first time when a crisis comes. Uh, you want it to have been repeated over and over again. And, you know, any crisis, any emergency will be vastly different. So you want to make sure that the, the lines of communication are open, that everybody's using the same terminology so you know what you're talking about, and we're able to better inform the public of what's going on as well. You know, I mean, there could be a, some form of climate disaster, 
there could be unrest, there could be a cyber attack, there could be a, a massive snowstorm. I mean, there's a ton of stuff. A bridge could fall down, you know, and, and so we're, we're trying to be prepared, you know. Obviously, we want things always to go smoothly. Uh, but if you're a mayor these days, you know that you gotta prepare for the worst and and hope for the best. And in preparing for the worst, you want to make sure that your whole team is ready to go and they're good at working with each other. Everyone, Mayor Jacob Fry with us this morning and talking about being nimble. <laughs> right now, we're getting into the I call it the sixth season. We have four seasons, but I call it the sixth season. The uh, pothole season, and I understand that uh, a small bus, a couple of kids fell into a pothole the other day. How is the city responding to the holes that we see in our city? <laughs> you know, yeah, in, in Minneapolis, of course, we've got winter, we've got pothole season followed by construction season. And <laughs> you are right, we're right in the middle of, of the pothole segment. Uh, so here's the deal we're going for. We had, we had the eight snowiest winter in history will probably crack into the top five. In addition to being one of the snowiest ever, there was also this freeze-thaw cycle that has been happening back and forth and back and forth. So, you know, it gets, it gets wet, the water runs onto the sidewalk or the street freezes again, melts, freezes. And then when that happens over and over again, it just wreaks havoc on our roads. Uh, it, it makes incredibly large potholes. And so that's what we're seeing right now. But here's the deal. You can't apply a permanent fix until that freeze-thaw cycle is done. So if we're going to get another snow next week, anything we would have done to the roads this week would be worthless. You know, you need to get ahead of it a little. You need to, you need to wait for it to finish so that you can do it again. Um, so what we're doing is we're putting this, what is called a, a cold mix, which is gravel and asphalt together in all these potholes. Our crews are out there doing hundreds and hundreds of potholes a day mm-hmm. right now. And then as soon as the freeze thaw cycle is done, you're going to see a lot of construction. So get ready for that, too. Deferring to Chantel, she's got a question for you, sir. I do. So, <laughs> so I, I, I actually had a person ask me yesterday, we were talking about the potholes and they were wondering uh, if a person does run over a pothole and there's some damage to their vehicle, does the city have any type of funds to compensate for people who have damage to their vehicles due to the potholes? You know, I, I would love to be able to do that, but I'll give you the honest answer here, Chantel. The answer is no. Um, you know, a vehicle... Uh, get busted up for a number of different reasons, including pos- potholes, including road wear and tear. And so, no, we, we don't have a fund for that right now, but I'll tell you, it's not, it's not a bad idea. Okay, okay. Oh. Let me know, and I'll, hit, I'll lead that, uh, <laughs> you'll, you'll, that department. You'll, you'll send them over to us. You'll be busy. Final thought this morning. I, I read with interest and concern about uh, you still getting death threats, your, your apartment... Uh, home is being vandalized, and I can only imagine that it's, it's got to be taking a toll, not only your family members, but the folks who live around you. Uh, yet I found it interesting that uh, you're somewhat reluctant to uh, have the protection that each of us have in the city of Minneapolis in utilizing the police force. Why are you not taking advantage of that, and why are you reluctant to have that kind of safety for you and your family? Yes, Sarah and I have received quite a, a bit of vandalism and death threats over the years, Sarah's my wife. Uh, and, you know, we haven't really talked about it until just recently. Uh, and, 
you know, the reason is we don't want to make ourselves really the center of attention on it, but, but this, this is a threat to more than just us. This, this, I believe, is a threat to democracy because nobody's going to do these jobs if they're going to get death threats the minute that somebody disagrees with them. Uh, and, you know, it, it's usually the extremes. It's the far right and the far left uh, that are engaging in this kind of behavior. And I think we all need to be speaking out and just saying it's wrong. Mm-hmm. You should be able to take a position and take a vote uh, without the fear of having death threats to you and or your family. And we're even seeing problems in the council chambers themselves. You know, council members have, you know, people have told council members that if you take this wrong vote here, then, then we're coming for you and your kids, and we know where your kids go to football practice or soccer practice, and we're coming for you. And it's just messed up on every level. We should all be saying, regardless of ideology or, or Democrat versus Republican, whoever you are, it's wrong. You shouldn't be happening. Uh, and so to answer your question, though, um, we have uh, filed, uh, we have contacted the police before. We have had them investigate certain situations. You know, the issue is if it's a graffiti, uh, I would really rather the cops be handling some of the more serious incidents that happen throughout our city, including shootings. We don't have a ton of officers right now. They certainly are ready and willing to help, to be very clear. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but uh, I, we have only contacted them during some of the most serious death threats. Everyone, Jacob Fry with us this morning.